0: All right, got an hour to go here. Chris Knocky, Donald Hankerson with you on overtime on 106.7 The Fan and Odyssey app. We uh, kicked around a bunch of NFL news and notes. We're going to get back to that, too. Uh, you know, we, we're so sort of parochial here in the way we look at uh, things locally, and obviously it's a huge offseason for the local football team, and a lot of the speculation, a lot of the talk revolves around quarterback, but it's not just exclusive to the Washington football team and all the issues going around across the board um, for a lot of teams this year or, uh, you know, in the offseason. I want to get to a couple of those things before we uh, before we get out of here. But I also want to talk about something I saw on uh, a piece on ESPN, and it's a little bit, it's uh, basically the title of the article is uh, Inside the NBA's New Wave of Trash Talk. Quote Quote, it's not really a verbal assault like it used to be. And now keep in mind that for anybody who was a fan and a student of the NBA in the eighties and nineties, those are the golden years of trash and stories are legendary about, you know, some of the, the, the slings and arrows that were tossed about. And you know what? One of the places you can see that too is in the legendary video, uh, donald that you see about the dream team and the trip to barcelona and the games that they played with each other and of course those games were you know battle royale steel steel cage matches to the to the death and guys were you know yapping back and forth the whole time now keep in mind that was 92 right and in the 80s and 90s there were just a different set of rules and 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 uh uh, unwritten rules at that, but they could be absolutely savage with each other in terms of the things that they would say. And some of those things were obviously the, if you happen to be a legendary player, you got a little bit more latitude with what you could get away with, Michael being one, Larry Bird being another, and, and some of the things these guys would say to each other. But, you know, in this day and age, to a degree, they have legislated out a lot of the yapping. And one of the ways they've done it is you get fined for technical fouls. Uh, and, you get, and it's not quite that much money, but the fact of the matter is you're giving away technical fouls. You're giving away money, you know, for, for just for running your mouth. And I think that at some point in time, some level of logic and reason takes over, and you know it's just stupid to be writing checks like that. Um, I believe it's an escalating number. I don't have it in front of me, but I think – That is two thousand dollars for your first uh, three or four fines. After uh, for your first three or four technical fouls, after technical foul number four or five, it goes up to three thousand dollars. After technical foul number ten, if you get that high, goes up to maybe six thousand dollars or something like that. And that's different from a flagrant foul. Flagrant foul can cost you fifteen, you know, at least fifteen grand. I mean, you can you can pay pretty dearly for a. For a flagrant and if you throw fists obviously they have the ability to you could get docked big time you could get docked uh, you know fifty thousand dollars um so that's why you see a lot of talking but not a whole lot of anybody going fist city but one of the things that the, the article underscores um uh, it starts off painting a great picture of a discussion between jimmy butler and um utah uh, wing Joe Ingles. But keep in mind, these are two polar opposites. Ingles looks like a librarian. He's from Australia. Um, you know, Jimmy Bank uh, 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 and but Jimmy Butler is a tough guy. You know, he's a he's a balls to the wall. You know, gritty. I mean, he just he plays hard every possession. So apparently, these guys had an issue for years. I, you know, what? I'm, I Butler has been around the block, right? He's played for a bunch of different teams. Never won here. So I would never, you would never know if he had an issue um, with any one guy. But at this point in time, they they meet at half court, and this is how it goes. This is uh, this is the way the, both these guys saw it. Butler's mission, peace. At this point, the quick wits, sharp tongues, and competitive fires of both Butler and Ingles have been clashing for years. A powder keg sparked early in Ingles' career when he tried to blow up a screen Butler had set. It left Ingles sprawled on the floor and the then-Chicago Bulls forward standing over him. Fortunately for Ingles, his teammate Trevor Booker pulled Butler away. Butler was staring at me like he was he was bloody about to beat the S out of me, Ingles recalled. They never exchanged blows, but Butler and Ingles have traded trash-talking jabs every time their teams have played ever since, often resulting in double technical fouls and the accompanying four-figure fines. Butler says in this conversation with Ingles at half court before a game, okay, man, let's give it a break. We've been in this league far too long uh, now. Come on, let's chill with the tease. I want my money. You want your money? Let it go. The Utah forward was instantly agreeable. Butler and Ingles exchanged daps, buried their beef, and protected their bank accounts. I was like, I'm with it because I'm trying to save some money too, Ingles said. Ever since then, we've gotten along really well. Butler said, we've been good ever since. He's a good dude. Do you got you got the the fine levels up there? Is, did I see you pull those up?
1: Yeah, I had them up earlier. So you were along the right with a and regular. They're graded, fl- right? Yeah. So, like for your first two fouls, like you said, normal fouls, it's a thousand dollars, and then it elevates five hundred dollars from there. Okay. And then a flagrant, um, depending on what it is, um, yeah. starts at fifteen thousand.
0: Yeah, and you as you square off and throw a punch, I mean, you could get well north of fifteen k, right? For sure and you get up even if you get up into the Rashid Wallace territory in terms of technical fouls you know you get up to 14 15 and i think also there's there's a line of demarcation to donald where if you get up to like your 13th technical foul or something like that or 15th you're docked a game you know so uh those are that's not insignificant and i believe you lose a game check i i think you get penalized in terms of your pay for that but the 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 it's trash talk in the NBA has been on going on forever. You know, uh, Reggie Miller had the famous choke signal to New York Knicks fans. Uh, Dikembe Mutombo had the finger wag where, you know, don't bring that weak S in here. Uh, L- Lillard, Damian Lillard does that Dame time thing when he hits a, which I think is great as a, uh, you know, he hits a game winner, a big shot does the Dame time where he taps his wrist. Um, and you know, he, his most memorable gesture is probably a wave. I don't know if you remember this, Donald. One of the great NBA series of all time, Oklahoma City in 2019, in Portland played a a, a, uh, a series where they hated each other. They went right down to the wire, and that's when uh, Russell Westbrook was on OKC, and these guys had at it. He and Lillard had had at it for you know the, the whole series, and Lillard talks about the fact that. People were getting separated every game. Uh, People were talking to the media about that stuff. And normally you keep your your beefs out of the locker room and out of the media. But um, Lillard says in this day and age there are trash talkers in the league. But for the most part, oh, by the way, back to the end of that series. The series didn't last long. Lillard's 50th point of Game 5 came on a 37-footer over Paul George at the buzzer. And that's when he walked off the court and waved goodbye and uh that's his probably his famous most famous gesture and he says they're trash talkers in the league but in this era it's more gestures and he and he talks about you know basically stare downs and things like that westbrook pretending to rock the baby you know dunk, after dunking on Draymond Green and or, you know the, everybody's doing the flex now too i mean that's just that's like like old hat but one of the things that the, this article points to is the um you know, apparently the tramp, the champion talker in the league, to absolutely nobody's surprise, in terms of just volume, is Draymond Green. Runs his jab all game long. He has equal opportunity. He'll give grief to some of his own teammates during games if he thinks that they're not performing. Um, and he, Draymond, gives all his props to a guy he says is the best trash talker by far, and that is Kevin Durant. And, um, of course they were former teammates. And one of the things that Duran has is he has that cred level where that bird and Jordan had, where they had all world games. KD may still be, in spite of the fact that, you know, there's always a flavor of the year still, still may be the best player on the planet. He was in the Olympics and that was just as recent as, you know, last summer. But but some of the things that Durant has been credited with are um, the fact that like when he when he breaks a guy's ankles and the guy wobbles a little bit before he shoots uh, uh, Durant has been known to say he's drunk at the bar, you know, which is kind of funny. And after you know after making a legs wobble uh, a defender's legs wobble after a crossover, another go to jab occurs during breaks in the action when Durant will ask him. Who is this? And make a show looking back at his def- at the back of his defender's jerseys. Green compared Durant's style to that of Hall of Famer Larry Bird, trash talkers who have the advantage of being legendary players. You know, Larry Bird used to go mock white guys for perpetuating the generalization that white guys can't play, and Bird also was one of those guys who, who, uh, and I think Jordan did this too, where he would come out of a timeout and tell the opponent exactly where he was going, you know, and he, he, one of the great stories about bird, he did it to Xavier McDaniel in a game in Seattle after, you know, he'd already had 38, 39 points. And he went out and he said, "AX, i X, I'm going to get a down screen here from McHale. I'm going to catch this, this ball right in front of your bench. I'm going to take one dribble left and whap it right in your face. And, and it, it's funny because in some of the old NBA footage, uh, you see a lot of, Xavier McDaniel describing the play and how it happened. Um, but, you know, those things are lost a little bit. Some of it's legislated out. And also, you know, with some of the crowds going on, usually, you know, you, you we all make a habit of trying to read lips. And a lot of times you can see what guys are saying, what you think they're saying, but you never hear it given the size of the crowds. And um, it's just an interesting part of the of the game. And this is a fraternity. Make no mistake about it. I know when I was, Playing college basketball, I knew a lot of the guys I played against. We didn't do nearly the trash talk in that event. Eventually, entered the game, but there was always something going on on the court. Whether it was when you were playing pickup ball, or certainly when you were playing college games, you'd find somebody that you know and that you talk to, and that was one of the fun parts about the game. And it's entertaining. You think about think about these NBA guys too, where they're playing eighty plus games per season this these are the dog days of the season right now and the the season seems to last forever in january and february want to enter, entertain yourself a little bit you know and um you know it's it's all it's all in good fun all right we going to want to get back to the nfl here momentarily um it's not just you know big off season for the wft obviously they've got some issues they've got to address first and foremost uh quarterback they need a linebacker but they're not in, they're not the only ones out there and now you add in the fact that there are a lot of other teams that don't just need players at critical positions. They need coaches. So, I mean, this is going to be an interesting offseason, and it starts really right now for a lot of these, uh, these uh, teams that have uh, openings at the head coaching position. We're going to get to that and more when we come back. Overtime, 106.7 The Fan and Odyssey app. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Chris Naki, Donald Hankerson, taking you to 9 p.m. tonight. Tech talk on right on the other side of us. Donald, I, I know I think both of these things can be correct. I don't know whether to be incredibly impressed by the badass that is Derrick Henry or Frightened for him coming back and playing in the NFL playoffs. And keep in mind, by virtue of the bye that they get, they don't have to play this weekend. They're off. So he's got another extra week. But it's hard to remember a guy who's come back this quickly from the kind of surgery he has had. And I love his game. I love everything about him. He's an absolute warrior. He is a man among men. And like I said, he's a complete and total badass. But there's a part of me that thinks, you know, it's just like putting RG three back out there again. You know, uh, it's a, it's a little frightening. Yeah, yeah. I
1: I'm with you. It's I mean, in this day and age, it just seems like athletes are just bouncing back super quickly. But I guess I'm. This
0: is beyond super quickly. <laughs> yeah. He was they were six and two, mm-hmm. so he got injured in week week eight or nine. And uh, so I'm sorry to interrupt you, but th- that wasn't that long ago.
1: Yeah, no, you're right. It it is a super super quick turnaround. I'm definitely like undermining it for sure. But I guess I'm if I'm the Titans and I'm looking at it, it's I guess they're all in this season. You know, they're they're the number one seed. They've been knocking on the door the last couple years. Um, they're able to get them back. I, I guess they're looking at it from a perspective of you know we have this bye week. We can let them rest for a second and let's just take it to where we can go. We're all in. That's that's I think the mentality there.
0: And the NFL being sort of the mercenary situation that it is, I, I get it. I think you're spot on. I don't, I don't, I've got no argument with any of the stuff that you said. I, you know, one of the things that uh, offensive coordinator T- Todd Downing said: "The balance is wins and losses. That's the scale I'm trying to keep balanced. It, getting Derrick Henry the ball gives us a better chance to win. Um, they were six and three without him." And they had some pretty good production from a flotilla of different running backs, a bunch of different guys who, you know, it was a committee of guys that kind of held down the fort a little bit, but none of those guys are Derrick Henry. And cumulatively, they're not Derrick Henry. I mean, he's a complete game changer. And he's also one of those guys, too, that um, he's an all-weather guy. You know what? He's a guy who, if you play on turf indoors – He's still going to kill you. You play outdoors in grass and where defenders are slipping and sliding, he's going to kill them too. So in the January and February of, of a playoff season, provided he's in pretty good health, um, you know, uh, you know, he is, once again, he's a game changer. He had, uh, I think, one of the great plays of the year was in that tremendous Monday night win they had over the Buffalo Bills, 34-31. I think that was Buffalo's first loss of the season. Henry was held in check for the most part of that game and then out of the blue he went 76 yards in the in a flash of light for a touchdown. That game ended with the Bills inside Tennessee's 5-yard line and basically losing the ball on downs last play of the game. A great great game and one of the best games of the season. Uh it just it's one of those things where I uh I'm fearful this is a not just a seminal player this is a generational player and to think that you might be doing more damage to him uh and and I, I think also some of it maybe depends on who they play it might be one of those things things too Donald where they get a chance to 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 play him run him 10 or 12 carries in the first game and feather him back in as opposed to you know Derek, you're you're going to get the ball 26 28 times in this game They got a serviceable quarterback. Ryan Tannehill's good. Not great. He's good. And they got some pretty good skilled players. A.J. Brown is an outstanding wide receiver. So it's not like you're, you know, bereft of talent or players. So you would think that, you know, playing a home game in the second round against a team that had to play in this first round, you'd think that you'd be okay.
1: Yeah, I think they're just, um, to your point, like they went six and three without him. So I think they're just going to see what they can get from him they're not going to rush him back too much but just to have his presence even just a little bit will will help for sure uh, I mean
0: he's a he's a nightmare for sure and uh and the other thing is too is that just the possibility of him being available f- will force whomever they play against opponent to be uh, to be determined to have to game plan for him so it's just another advantage for Tennessee. Regardless, almost of the the amount of time they they you know amount of burn that they give him out there on the court. So, um, okay, wanted to get to a couple other things. There are um, I, well, I think Henry is as compelling a story as you're going to see in the playoffs. This offseason season is going to bring a, a lot of questions for some marquee players across the league. Some of whom we know firsthand, a guy like Russell Wilson. You know what's going to happen there, and some of whom we've sort of forgotten about. I think about a player like Michael Thomas, who played for the Saints. I mean, man, you know, three, four years ago, he was catching 115 balls a season. And he and Drew Brees had, were on the same page. I mean, they had an incredible relationship, caught the ball over the middle, caught the ball deep. He did what Devontae Adams is doing now. And he hasn't played really in two years. And it's been two years of acrimony with, with the Saints front office. This is a team last year, the Saints last offseason, that had to figure out how to replace Drew Brees, and they had to figure out how to shave a boatload of money off, uh, off their salary cap. And really what they did is they doubled down. They thought they were good enough. And Jameis Winston was the guy they brought in. His injury did not help them at all. Taysom Hill is not the quarterback. He's not a quarterback. He's not the quarterback. And a huge drop off there ended up not making the playoffs, uh, even though they were in position over the course of the last couple of weeks to be in that conversation. So there are guys out there that are going to be available. You know, I don't know at what cost. I don't know if these guys are, and I don't know the contractual situation for a guy like him for Thomas, but decisions, hard decisions have to be made by a lot of teams out there. And, you know, while the Saints control what happens with Michael Thomas, obviously the situation with guys like Russell Westbrook and, and um, you know, even Aaron Rodgers are sort of player-driven. They're they're Those options are held by the players and they sort of figure out what to do. And those guys have the juice and the power to say, I'll only go play in these six places or four places. And uh, so you're, you're a little limited. And that's why WFT fans can't get their hopes up too much for, Franchise level QB, but that being said, this is a franchise that needs a boatload of help. They got a but a bunch of cap space. They got the wherewithal to actually make a difference in the um, in the off here. And again, you can really shore up what you're doing here without uh, you know I, you have to address the quarterback, but it doesn't have to be the top five, top six quarterback that everybody lusts for. You need a, a serviceable veteran, better than what you have on hand. But he needs more players around him. You need more wide receivers. i was intrigued by Deami Brown, what he did down the stretch of the season. But he's a he's a young guy, you know. Samuel, I mean, I, I at this point in time, you got to bring in some guys that have done it and can prove it and can play again. At best ab- ability being availability, need guys who are in it for the long haul and can play right away. So, um, but there are you know, it'll be interesting to watch. Stuff's going on in other franchises for guys that might be available to help this franchise because Lord knows um, a lot of help is needed. A lot, of, a lot of situations need to be shored up. Okay, got some more NFL news and notes. And then in our last segment, young Donald and I are going to go over these playoff games. We're going to pick for a buck a game. We're going to pick against each other and uh, going to you know even up the next time we see each other at some point in time. God knows when that will be. The name of the show is Overtime, 106.7 The Fan and Odyssey App. Chris Knocky, Donald Hankerson with you on Overtime, 106.7 The Fan and Odyssey App. And we've been kicking around a bunch of NFL stuff here over the course of the last sec- couple of segments. Donald, I don't know if you heard the Grant and Danny discussion on your way in about Carson Wentz and his availability, the possibility, I guess, of his availability. And is he one of those guys that should be on a short list of guys who, you know, realistically that maybe the WFT could, you know, could could bring in here? And and obviously all of that would be predicated by the Colts' ability to get to pry in Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson or whomever. Name your all-star, uh, free. So then that wins once would be available. Where do you stand on, you know, from a WFT perspective, the draft one versus go get one argument?
1: Yeah. Um, I, I'm kind of in the middle, but I'm think I'm leaning more towards the, if we can't go get somebody. Cause to to your point, you said in the last segment, I think we need somebody who's a little more established who, who can really just come in here taking control of the franchise. And I think a lot of things, too, that I think about is we're dealing with this whole rebranding thing, and I think to help with that rebranding, it would help if we had a more solidified guy versus we're rebranding, also we're bringing in this rookie you know, mm-hmm. quarterback or drafting somebody, and it just adds to the uncertainty that's already hovering around this franchise.
0: Could you imagine the pressure on a quarterback if they draft a guy at nine here what that's going to be like right on a young guy especially considering the sort of middling grades that you see for most of the draft class of quarterbacks right there's nobody that you're thinking damn if we get him at nine you know we're gonna be great you know I just don't I don't see it and I I think I'm with you I, I think the other thing is you You've got some skilled guys, you know. Gibson is a running back. McLaurin is a wide receiver. You need some more help from McLaurin, but, um, and it one of the things about the Wentz thing that that strikes me too is this: I would have bet that when Carson Wentz and he started out so good in Philly, at one point his he had an insane touchdown to interception ratio going the year they won the Super Bowl. Strangely never wasn't him that won it It was Nick Foles, but, uh, but Wentz for most of that year before he tore his ACL was phenomenal. Putting up monopoly numbers playing for Frank Reich and, um, you know, Doug Peterson was the head coach. So a lot of success there. Eventually he gets reunited with Frank Reich and yet just quite hasn't quite happened for him. Carson Wentz. And, and, you know they've got a great running they they've got everything you need in, in Indianapolis to be successful great uh defense that produces turnovers great activity on defense they got the best running back on the planet and yet they're not in the playoffs and it, it given what the other positions have given you that has to fall to your quarterback he was middling at best and i think it speaks to one of those things where you know i Regardless of how how big a deal you are when you start, you got to get better. And I don't know whether it's an injury related thing, or a, or a mental issue there. But one of the things that separates, you know, the the Jags, as those guys say, from guys who are just premier guys is those premier guys get better all the time. Their game evolves. And I don't, I, you know, I, I can't say I've studied Carson Wentz enough to know. It just surprises me, given how prolific he was at a young age coming out of college.
1: Yeah, I think the only the only argument I feel like I would make for Carson Wentz for, for the WFT is just the fact that he has familiarity with the division playing here, or in Philly, I should say. Um, outside of that, to your point, you know, the progression has kind of been stagnant. I don't know how much is injury-related, as you said, but
0: – No idea.
1: But, yeah, the only – It's kind
0: of mind-boggling.
1: Yeah, the only argument I would make for him here personally for me is just because he's familiar with the division.
0: Yeah. I, you know, there are guys, they're journeymen in the NFL who – and I mean I, – I'm going to say this, and I mean it with tremendous respect. I really do. There are guys you look at – like, I, I see – and I've said this a hundred times on the show and even back to the first week of the season. Taylor Heineken, to me, is 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 a great, great story. He's a backup. And I don't mean backup in a negative way. I, he's a he's a professional football player. He's a he's a worthy worthy player. You know he's gonna he's got a nice contract, makes good money, and he's gonna help. He has helped this franchise, and he will continue to help him. No question about it. But they need somebody who's a starter, and that doesn't mean the starter has to be a top five player, but a top twelve player maybe. That's the guy they need. They don't need anybody who's you know they're they're not going to get Aaron Rodgers. Don't expect to get him. So um, at any rate, it's just it's interesting to me that the whole notion it's it's like a little bit like a team. It's one thing getting to the top. It's another thing staying there. And and um, I, for whatever reason, he wasn't able to 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 stay there. All right. As you look towards the playoffs this weekend, I'm going to get your picks in the last segment. Do you, who's your squad? Who's your squad, Donald? Now, are you a local? Are you a fan of the locals?
1: I am okay. I am. So,
0: excluding the, obviously, news bulletin, they're not playing this weekend. Okay, <laughs> who do you have? A, do you have a rooting interest in what's going on this weekend?
1: Um, I don't really. There's a few. Like, I, I'm always good for an underdog. So you you were alluding to that uh, earlier in the show. So I'm looking at teams like a uh, Philadelphia against Tampa Bay or uh, San Fran. Um, I like those teams that are. I mean, super long shot Pittsburgh, obviously, but I, I like those underdog stories. So though, that's where my eye will be this weekend for sure.
0: If Pittsburgh is able to do what we talked about, and you know, and not that Ben needs a pat on the back at this point in time at forty years old and you know, with all that he's accomplished, but that'll be one of the great stories of the sports year if they're to go into Kansas City and, and, and win that game. Definitely, I um, I can't help but think that I, I you know, and I, I hate to fall in lockstep with what the league wants because I can't, you know, there's a lot of the uh, corporate NFL that just drives me nuts, but it's hard for me to think that the league doesn't want a, you know, a Rodgers Brady matchup in, in, um, in the NFC for sure. In terms of what they want in the AFC. I mean, all I can, I, I just think, I think the Kansas city has become sort of the, the team you know, the sexy team, all that skill, all the points that they're able to do. And, you know, could you imagine if you get to Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers in a Super Bowl? Think about all the state farm commercials you're going to see through (laughs) the course of that broadcast. You're going to be sick of Jake. Oh, yeah. You know?
1: Jake won't be sick of Jake.
0: No, Jake's going to (laughs) be laughing all the way to the bank. but. Um, it, you know, and it may very well play, play out that way because, you know, on paper, and I don't know about Tampa Bay because they don't have the same defense that they had last year, and they certainly don't have the same skill players that they had last uh, even earlier in the season. Uh, but everybody else is good enough to get back there, without question, Green Bay. And with Green Bay, too, I said this last year, it didn't prove to be the case. Having to go through Lambeau Field is a problem. You know, for a lot of teams, it's really still impresses me that Brady and his posse were able to go in there and do what they did to the Packers at Lambeau Field last year. So the over-unders, I don't have the over-unders for the game, but some of these games scream to me to uh, high scoring games, Los Angeles and Arizona, Los Angeles with a decimated defensive backfield, Arizona's defense didn't do jack really down the stretch of the season. Uh, they weren't nearly as good as they were during the course of the season. I don't know that, while I'd love to see Pittsburgh be competitive, I don't know that they can be. And, I, and, you know, in terms of the over-under, if Pittsburgh's going to score three points in that game, then, I, you know, we'll have to do a little research in terms of what the over-under is, but you got be got to be liking the under. San Francisco's defense is good enough to keep Dallas under, you know, I think in 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 really in a situation where they're not lighting up the scoreboard, but it might be one of those things where you know it's a twenty to seventeen, a seventeen fourteen kind of a kind of a game, and it it could be that way simply because in the postseason defenses have a way. Really good defenses have a way of of imposing their will. So, um, but there are a lot of really important games. Clearly, this weekend, you lose, you're done. Interesting games too from an over and over under perspective. And we're gonna to get to that. In our last segment, Donald and I are pick against each other we're using the spreads. We're not just going straight up. And I'm gonna take your bets. You know, Donald, anybody listening probably should take my bets and go bet against me, go right to FanDuel and uh and probably bet against me. But I was pretty good in here the last couple of uh times I was in, you know, picking against Heist and And Ryan, you know, Ryan, we had a we had a good go at it and I had some success, largely because I wasn't wagering any money. If it came down (laughs) to me wagering money, might uh, be a different story. My ass is out on the street, no question about it. Donald Hakerson, Chris Knockie, one more segment. It's overtime on one oh six seven The Fan and Odyssey app. All right, wrapping it up. On overtime 1067, the fan and Odyssey app. Chris Knocky, Donald Hankerson with you till nine o'clock. Tech Top Tech Talk coming up right behind us, Virginia Tech Talk. And uh want to get to these picks for the uh NFL playoff weekend. We've got six games, a lot going on, cool games. I'm gonna read a quick thumbnail from Pete Prisco from CBS Sports on each one of these games. First of all, first game Bengals, five point favorites against the Las Vegas Raiders. Per Prisco here, Donald. Raiders got into the playoffs by beating the Chargers Sunday night while the Bengals are coming off a loss where they rested most of their players. That's an edge to the Bengals. Cincinnati has an explosive offense. Raiders counter with a wicked pass rush. This will be decided on how well the Bengals can protect Joe Burrow. I think they do well enough to win this game, but it'll be close. Bengals win their first playoff game since 1990. We mentioned that earlier in the show. Who do you like?
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm liking Cincinnati. Um, Raiders just sneaking in. They've been able to rest. I'm looking at some uh, point spreads here. Uh, Cincinnati has a, a six-point spread on this game, so I'm liking Cincinnati.
0: I like Cincinnati as well. I think that crowd is going to be nuts. They're excited about this team, about their first opportunity for a win in 32 years. All right, New England and Buffalo. This is Saturday night. Saturday night, eight fifteen game. Bills currently favored by four. That game will be played in sub-freezing temperatures and a little bit of wind as well uh, per Prisco. This is the third game featuring these two this season, each winning on the other's home field. Uh, New England won the first meeting in a windstorm in December while the Pats Bills dominated the Pats at their place in December. The weather is expected to be cold but not that windy. That means Josh Allen can have success throwing the football Patriots haven't looked at like the same team on the road, especially quarterback Mac Jones. Look for the Bills to take away the run and dare him to beat them. He won't. Bills win. Moving on, he predicts Bills thirty to seventeen. I'll go with that pick. I like that pick and I like that number. I think the the Bills are clearly the better football team right now.
1: Yeah, yeah, same. Um, I know Belichick has a lot to prove back in the playoffs, post Tom Brady. But you know, I'm I'm thinking the Bills are too much firepower.
0: Eagles, eight-and-a-half-point dogs against Tampa Bay. That game, of course, in Tampa Bay Sunday at 1 o'clock. The trick here sometimes is, you know, whether or not Philly can get that explosive run game going. Uh, Bucks have been very good against the run. They they did give up some yards the last three games, but for the most part, very good. Eagles didn't sack Tom Brady this year when they met earlier. Have to be better in that area. Brady's still missing those guys. Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown. That's a lot of points. What do you like?
1: Yeah, I think, um, I mean, Tampa Bay's decimated a little bit, but, I mean, it's Tom Brady. He's he's the GOAT, so I can't go against him. I think Eagle, the Eagles will put up a hard battle, but I got Tampa Bay.
0: I think this might be also one of those deals where if you have a, you know, I'm sure you can find prop bets anywhere you go, whether it's in person to a sportsbook or wherever at this point in time. I think Gronk may have 125 yards and three TDs in this game. And he's oh. going to be option one. Um, for sure, yeah. You know, I, and I, I think that at this point in time, he is the security blanket for Brady, and is it in traditionally Brady finds him in playoff games, and all you need to know about these guys, uh, you know, being thick as thieves is that Brady went in to make him five hundred grand at the end of the, the game last week. That should tell you a lot about their relationship for sure. All right, probably the game of the weekend. This is Sunday afternoon, four 49ers at Dallas. Dallas currently favored by three. Um, I'm going to go first in this one. I told you earlier I like the Cowboys simply because everybody is on the Niners, but I'm going to go with the Niners simply to take the three points. I do think it's going to be a field goal or a you know two one two three two, three-point game. Either way, I'll go with the Niners in a low-scoring game.
1: Yeah, I think it's going to be very, very tough battle, but i I, I mean, I hate to even say this, but I, I think I'm going to have to go with the Cowboys on this game. I think there, it's going to be tough, but I think they'll find a way to to squeak it out.
0: You realize, of course, that you've gone with the Cowboys and the Eagles. I know. This, it, there's going to be not, some sort I can't, of penalty. I can't go home tonight. This, some sort of penalty. Yeah, Your car <laughs> is going to be, yeah, exactly. Something's gone wrong outside. All right, on Sunday night, 820 on NBC, Pittsburgh Steelers, Kansas City Chiefs, you know, it's 12.5-point spread, which is a healthy, healthy spread. I just think the Chiefs have had the kind of year where, uh, you know, they're, they're playing well at the right time. They've got everything working. They've got ju- they've got enough of a running game, certainly have enough weapons. And at the end of the day, they have Patrick Mahomes. And uh, I Pete Prisco from CBS predicts a Chiefs 28-23 game. NFC, no chance. I see the Chiefs running away with this game.
1: Yeah, I mean, we talked about it earlier. I mean, Ben, I know he has a lot to – well, not a lot to prove. I'm sorry. He's proven enough. But I know he's going out, trying to go out with a bang, but Kansas City's just too much.
0: All right, in the last game, Prisco predicts 20-17. to Rams beat the Cardinals. This is a four-point spread. Rams favored by four. This is the third game between these two uh, two teams this season, both winning on the other team's field. Cardinals won the first meeting while the Rams won the second in December. Cards were one and four down the stretch. It's not like the Rams have been playing well either. This will be a close game per Prisco with the Rams finding a way to win it late. Look for both defenses to play well and this was as both offenses have struggling uh have had struggling line play lately. The Rams win a low scoring game. What do you like?
1: Yeah, another close game for sure, but I, I think I like the I think I like the Rams on this one. Cardinals have been kind of struggling as of late, so I think the Rams will squeak it out.
0: I think the Rams win this one by two touchdowns myself. Are you going to get a chance to watch these games?
1: Yeah, I'll definitely make time for sure. One hundred percent.
0: Yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. Donald, appreciate the help, man. As always, you're a monster. You're a stud. You're a man among men. Thanks to uh, everybody who had a chance to listen today. I have no idea when I'll be back in. It's kind of one of those ad hoc hoc things. But I will be back. Chris Knocky, thanks for listening.